Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Going to go back a couple years. Um, in August of 2011, Leslie and I were celebrating our 10 year anniversary. And we were in the Twin Cities at the time. We sat down at an incredible restaurant called Muffaletta. Uh, if you're in the Twin Cities, you should check that place out. Uh, one of the best meals we've ever had. Duck fat popcorn, which um, was incredible. Um, but we sat there at dinner and we reflected on the previous 10 years and ways that we had uh, invested in our marriage and what God had done and the, kind of the adventure. So we started in Indiana and... Uh, did ministry in Indiana and then moved to Wisconsin. And um, at that point, we had two little girls. And just reflecting on all, all that God had done in 10 years and celebrated looking back investments that had been made and the returns that we had seen on those, that was just, just incredible. And it was also kind of this marking point to say, and this is a new beginning. So in the restaurant, I actually... When, I, when we got married, I gave Leslie like an engagement ring that the jeweler told me was like an all-in-one, so you didn't need a wedding ring. This was like, this would cover it. And I found out later, that's not true. Um, <laughs> that's not true at all. And it took me 10 years to catch up to it. Um, and on our 10-year anniversary, I was able to um, actually pull out the, the marriage proposal that I had written to Leslie 10 years previous um, that I couldn't get through because I was a bumbling mess. And say, you've never actually heard what I intended to say. Let me pull this out that has been sitting in my wallet and read this to you. And then in the restaurant that night, I actually got down on my knee again with the, uh, with the adequate ring um, and proposed again. And it was kind of awkward because people thought we were like getting engaged for the first time. We were like, no, we got kids and we've been doing this for 10 years and it's all good. Um, but it was... It was marking a point in our life to celebrate what had happened and celebrate in advance what was coming. It was also another turning point because uh, we were checking out a seminary in the Twin Cities. And then in September, I was about to enroll in a three-year uh, master's program at seminary. And so uh, full-time ministry, full-time school we had two kids during seminary. We had one more come on the way. And so that was, that was a major pact three years. And we were facing into it at that point saying, this is going to be hard and this is going to be an investment. But we think, we think it's going to be worth it. When I applied to seminary, I had to write an essay about why I was doing it, or why I wanted to do it, why I should be accepted. And they're like, what are you hoping to do after seminary? And my answer was really profound. I said, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just feel like God is stirring something in me. And the thing that he's doing is saying, I, I want to be more equipped. If God has me in student ministry for the rest of my life, I'm happy where I am. I want to get better at being able to follow him and lead others. I want to get more equipped. But if God should ever come and say, I want you to do something different with your family. I want, I want you to do something different. I don't want to have to look at God and say, thank you. Give me three years to prepare, and then we'll go. 
I want to be able to say, we prepared for this. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that only a few months after graduating from seminary, I learned about Damascus Road and a need and looking and a fit that could potentially be there. That God was saying, I'm so glad that you invested and now you're ready and we can go. And it was, a, it was an incredible moment for me of saying, always listen to that voice like Mickey, even if you don't know all the details, even if you don't know exactly what is going on, listen and follow and invest and God will do stuff with it. Now what happened, what happened over the course of uh, our 10 years um, of marriage and then the three years that followed in seminary was really incredible. Our heart expanded. Our heart expanded for each other and our heart expanded for our kids and our heart expanded for the church and for God and what he's doing. And it has been uh, incredible to see what God can do when we just say yes. And today we're going to talk about investing. Last week, uh, or this, this is the fourth week in a four-week series that we're calling Gospel Over Everything. And we started just by saying the gospel is everything at Damascus Road. And we don't have to get creative with it. We don't have to come up with a a really catchy answer to what is the gospel. It's very clear in four words, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the gospel. And when we understand it, when we see it, when it penetrates us, we respond to the gospel. And our response comes in these three different ways that we've been highlighting over the past couple of weeks, that we respond in worship. If we recognize Jesus Christ as Lord, we bow before him. That Jesus, the real man, the real human man in history, actually existed. Christ, meaning the one that God had foretold, the one that God was sending, the chosen one, the one who would give his life, because God loves us so much that he sent his son, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one who died, and he's the one who rose again, that is, that he's ever-present. And the Lord, that we bow before him. We don't bow to anything but Jesus, but we bow over and over and over to Jesus as a living sacrifice with our life. We continually give it to Jesus. We bow. Last week, we talked about discipleship, how walking with Jesus is this dance between, uh, not between, of both high invitation and high challenge, that Jesus invites us into relationship with him. That we don't have to do anything to deserve it. We don't have to merit anything. We don't have to build up. Like our past is gone. He paid for it and he welcomes us in. His high invitation like we have never experienced before. And with that invitation also comes high challenge. That God loves you right where you are. But he refuses to let you stay that way. He wants to make you just like Jesus. He wants to grow in you. And it's not some sort of forced, manipulative, shame-based, condemnation sort of thing. Like, you're not enough, you need to grow. It's a, you are already at the table. You are already a son or daughter. Now grow into what I have for you. Grow into that. Your identity uh, Your identity lays the foundation that God gave for you into what he has for you. And so high invitation and high challenge that leads into the mission. What 
What is it to walk with Jesus and to follow him and to follow his lead and to be doing the things outside of ourselves? Mickey is a great example of that. Mickey has a high invitation, high challenge from God. Would you agree with that? You, do you agree that God is right there with her, that she senses his presence as she goes? Absolutely. And this isn't about, I need to do so that I can be. It's because I am, because I am, I get to do this, right? High invitation and high challenge. And today, we're going to talk more about the challenge. We're going to talk more about the challenge. So last fall, when we did a four-week series on mission, we talked about mission coming out of Acts 1-8, where Jesus, after he is risen from the dead, brings his closest together, and he said... uh, you don't get to know the future. You don't get to know when all this wraps up and how. But I will tell you this. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power. You get to walk in power. And you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we talked about mission being coming from a place of power. We get to be witnesses in both our words and our deeds. And we said we want to we see what God is doing. That's witness God, right? We want to see what God is doing in media minute. We want to see what he's doing. And then we want to serve people. want to tell about it with our actions by serving people. And we want to share with people with our words what God is doing. See, serve, and share. Today we're going to put a little bit of a twist on it. We're going to say Invest to be on mission, to live a life on mission, is to invest in something. Open up to Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, uh, there's a fantastic passage where Jesus is talking with people about who do we bow before or what do we bow before? What do we give that place in our life? And we, we set all kinds of things up in that place of worship in our lives. And Jesus Uh, just confronts it. And Jesus levels a high challenge, especially when it comes to money and worry and how we uh, approach these things. Uh, And Jesus lays out this challenge. We're going to take a look at it uh, and try to dig dig into what he's saying there. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. It says, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think in this passage, there's kind of a recap of the worship, discipleship mission. There's worship because he said you can't serve both God and money. There is no God but God. You can't bow to two different gods. You cannot worship God and money. 
Our treasure is the Father. Our treasure is God himself, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that is where we put our highest treasure. That, that is what we worship. There's discipleship. Because he's taking, he's basically saying, live all of your life with God. Live all of your life with God. Money too. Money too. And the material things also. That's a part of it. And so they could have looked back to this, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to say money is a natural part of it. Jesus talks about money more than about any other topic. And we shy around it. And he says, I want this part too to be a part where you are free to walk with God. I belong and I become. Now just, again, as a point of clarification, we don't become so that we can belong, right? Most of religion works that way. If I do this, then I get to be in. If I accumulate enough good things that will weigh out the bad and I'll be seen as a good person in the end and I get heaven. We don't become so that we can belong. We recognize that in Jesus we belong. And so we can become. We are free. We are free to not worry about money. We are free to not worry about shame and condemnation. But to recognize money is a part of walking with Jesus. It is a part of me becoming more fully devoted to him, more wholehearted in the way that I walk with him. But I don't have to do it so that I earn it, so that I please him enough that he would smile at me. He already is. And so I get to do this. And it's, this passage, I think, is also about mission. What does God care about? I want to care about that too. What is God doing? And I want to do that too. What is God, where is God moving? That's where I want to be. I want to join with God in what he's doing. This is what it looks like to live on mission. To worship God. To belong. To become. And to, to move where he is. For many, money is the goal. Accumulation is the goal. And Jesus tells us to not worship money. So this passage shows that money is a great revealer, right? Money is a great revealer. This passage shows that where our treasure is reveals where our heart is, right? It's descriptive. If you want to look at where your if you want to look at where your heart is, open up your checkbook. It describes that, and I think we can go there from that very naturally, and that's often how this passage is taught. But I think it's more than descriptive. I think it's also prescriptive. I think it also says, if you want your heart to be someplace, put your money there. If you want your heart to be someplace, put your treasure there, and your heart will grow. Not in a earning it kind of way, but watch your heart grow as you invest in something. So the elders have been talking about this. We've been talking about it. Kevin has been burning about this. And he wrote a few notes just to say, I want to make sure that we get this right. 
And Kevin wrote, how is this verse typically taught? Usually we hear, if you want to know where your heart is, look at your wallet. It will tell you the story. This is a diagnosis, we say. It's taught that your money follows your heart. And it's not always wrong. It's helpful. And in a consumerist society, it makes sense that we see stuff and we want it, so we put our money there, and it, it, it meets us in our happiness. But oftentimes that stuff is fading. That's where Jesus says, don't put it, don't put your treasure where moth and rust and thieves take it. Moth is this like, it's going to get eaten up. It's going to get used. It's going to break down. Rust is this uh, from within, it, will, it has a lifespan. And thieves, is, it's just taken away from you. In a consumerist society, we're always looking for the next thing that will please us, the next thing that will, uh, that will show us everything we've always wanted. And then it ends up in a landfill. It breaks down or it gets stolen. It gets broken. And we end up no better off because of it. Kevin's been meditating on this and just saying what the verse actually says is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That it may not be there right now, but you put your treasure there and your heart will catch up with it. This works out in front of us all the time. So you buy a house and it's not your dream house, but you see a vision of it and so you invest in it and you put years of money and labor and sweat into it. And do you love the house more after all of that? You do. Your heart for the house grows because of your investment. Or relationships. The same is true in relationships. We're uh, connected to people, but in your deepest relationships, how many of those popped up like uh, spontaneously? Those have taken years of investment, right? Right? where you're vulnerable with somebody and they're vulnerable with you and you invest in that relationship. You give that person your time and it's not always convenient, but you invest in something and your heart grows. Hobbies are like that. You start looking into a hobby that you know nothing about and you have to invest your time to study it. You have to invest money to to dig into it. And after you have invested in something... You find how much you love it. Our kids are like that. I mean, they're born and we love them, right? But our love grows over time. As of January 9 of this year, uh, reports say that it costs $233,610 to raise a kid from birth to 18. That's crazy money, right? How many of you want to go like, give me more babies right now, right? That's just crazy money, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I listened to a man talk one time about uh, the investment of raising his child. And he said, and then my child died before 18 and I didn't have those payments anymore the 233,000 plus I didn't have to pay it but I would have in a heartbeat 
I wish, I wish I could invest in my son still. The money becomes small in comparison to the worth. And so what looks like crazy to some people, we would say, you just don't see the way I see. And we gladfully, we gladly invest in our kids. If you want to love something more, you invest in it. You give your time to it. You give your talents to it. What God wired you to do, you give those things. You give your treasure. How have you seen this to be true in your own life? What have you invested in? What are you building? Where is God moving in you? Where have you spent yourself and how have you find how have you found that you are increasing because of it? The three examples uh, or four maybe from my own life. A week ago, a week ago, my oldest daughter Elena and I headed way north up into Michigan to Camp Paradise. Uh, it's a, a father-daughter camp for the week. And we spent the week just together, bonding. The ruling camp, I don't know if I told you this, was just say yes. So when your daughter comes and says, can we go kayaking before breakfast, you say yes. Can we go water biking? Yes. Can we go jump on the water trampoline? Can we swing from the rope swing into the water? Yes, yes, yes. Can we climb higher on the ropes course? Yep, we're going to try. Can we do all anything, anything you want, babe? If it's within the rules of camp, I'm in. And she was mocking me last night because all week I was kind of like, oh, I'm sore. That ropes course beat me up. And she's like, you mean you're old. <laughs> I'm like, you know what happened over the course of those days at camp? Elena and I bonded like we haven't before. It was incredible. When I, dads would spend time together and daughters would spend time together and then we'd merge and we'd find each other and we'd get wrapped up in each other's arms for a hug and my heart toward her grew. I had to invest for that to happen, right? I had to give her that time with the pay to be able to go. Leslie invested in me being able to go, right? Because she didn't get the adventure of the week. She got to stay right where she was with the kids, the others. But that investment grew my heart for Elena. Marriage. This week, Leslie and I will celebrate our 16th anniversary. I love it. I love Leslie more now than I ever have. And we get to look back on the seasons that God has walked us through and the seasons that he is walking us into and we get to celebrate. What we have invested in each other is growing our hearts for each other, is growing our hearts for God. In seminary, it was an investment of time, it was an investment of money, it was an investment of um, who I was in pouring into that. And what happened through the course of those three years was my heart increased. My heart increased for God as I got to dig deep into God in a way that lots of people don't ever get that opportunity. And I wanted to soak in it and eat that up. And my heart grew. And I grew, my heart grew uh, for my wife and my kids in that time because I saw the struggle and I saw the strain 
in it and my appreciation and, and depth of appreciation grew. And my heart grew for his church. I say, I get to be a part of this. I get to be a part of this. And I love the church more now, having walked through that, than I did before. My heart has grown through giving financially. So I've not always been great at giving. Generosity has been a struggle for me. Um, and for years and years and years, we kind of dabbled with giving toward the church, and we're super tight. And uh, this wouldn't shock any, or this wouldn't shock, you know, my pastor previously. We've had conversations around it. But the challenge, not, you know, we belong, right? The challenge to become generous is something that has grown in me. And to be able to stand up and tell you, I'm in, we're in financially at DR, is also something that has said our heart has grown because of it. Our heart has grown for this church because of the way we give to this church and for this church and what, it, what God is doing here. We are invested in our time and in our talents and in our treasure here we get to see examples of this in church life. Community groups. Like, your heart grows for the people that you invest in, right? That you jump into a community group, and maybe it's an instant connection, but maybe your connection has been one that has grown over time. As you make a regular pattern of carving out time in your week for these people, in investing for these people, in supper clubs and discipleship groups, in the relationships there. The investment grows your heart for people. Luke Allison was here last week, and he was talking about the investment that he and his family and his community are making in Edgerton, in planting a church there, to say there isn't this kind of church there yet, but there will be, and we're investing. And he's inviting us at Damascus Road to invest with him. So when he comes back to preach in a couple of weeks, know that we're in it with him. Damascus Rose is invested financially in Luke and in Emmaus Community Church in Edgerton. And he's inviting us to invest our time as well to say there's some community mission days that are coming up in Edgerton. Could Damascus Road come alongside Emmaus Road? They didn't actually name it Emmaus Road because that, they thought it would be too similar to us. But Emmaus Community Church, could we come alongside them and invest in what they're doing? And I, I bet that if you do that, your heart for that community will grow. And your heart for that church plant will grow if you give. Right Middle School with the picnic. You want your heart to grow for Right Middle School and you want your heart to grow for students? Go help out at that picnic. Invest some time there, and I, it will happen. Your heart will follow. We just had an open house, and the number of people who invested in the open house to get the facilities ready. So Mike Holstead is a hero, and then he like enlisted this whole army. Like Matt was a huge part of it, and Serenity Peeps that were pouring time and energy into this place so, I mean, they were out weeding in gravel to make this place look a little bit better so that our neighbors would come and say, wow, this is cool. And they invested and they gave time. 
And we don't know all the things that happen uh, because of the open house. I don't, I don't know that it was a great grand thing, but things happen. So at the open house, because we invested in that, we, got, we made a relational connection with a pregnancy center that's just down the block on Park Street. They came and they said, we think we're like-minded in, um, in helping women choose life. And they're not, they're not religious, they're not spiritual, but they fight for life. And they're, they're just down the road. And we get to meet them and say, how could we partner with you? And I get to make a call later on to say, because of the generous giving at Damascus Road this last quarter, and because of our commitment to give uh, 13% uh, outside of us, we want of all of th- everything that comes in. We want to give thirteen and push it out. We have a surplus this quarter, and we want to dump some diapers on you, because that's what you need, <laughs> right? So, do you want to dump a diapers or do you want a, a check for to go out and buy the diapers yourself? I get to make that call, and that's because of your investment, our investment, and then the open house where they converge, right? And we get to see what God is doing. And because of our investment, meet him in it. We put ourselves in position to see what God is doing. We act as if God will move because we know he will. And then when he does, we're ready because we've been preparing, because we have been giving. In Kevin's words, if you want to love something more, you need to invest in it. If you want to love the poor, invest in them. If you want to love our kids, invest in them. Invest in DR. Make it better. You will love this church more as a result. And not just because it's better, but because your heart follows the investment. But it's important to say that we're not just trying to manipulate you. Give more money. I want that message to be clear. I want you to give. I want you to give more. But I'm not trying to manipulate something. We love you. We want to shepherd you well. We know that God will hold us accountable. And say, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you steward? Did you take care of this well? Did you use it? for my kingdom. Most evangelical Christians in the United States are bad at this. Evangelical Christians in the United States, I think the average is like maybe 2%. And there's room for us to grow. Just in the same way that there was room for me to grow. Not out of shame, not out of condemnation, but as an answer to a challenge. I want to walk with Jesus, and I want my heart to grow in this way, and so I'm going to dig in. So here's the challenging question. How's your giving? If you are giving where God has called you to give, thank you. Thank you. We need it. Together, we need it. And I'm so grateful because this church is built on faithful, faithful givers. Thank you. 
And just as in any area of life, I think autopilot can be dangerous. And if we really uh, respond to this invitation and challenge, belong and become, there's a challenge in giving. Now, in reality, this conversation might have the most traction in relationships. Not for me standing up here and talking about it a little bit. And so one of my challenges to you is with the people that you are closest with here at DR, have a conversation about your giving. That's taboo. That's like not culturally something we do. I'm not telling you to do it as a way to show off. You know, Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not about that, but it's about discipleship. It's about living on mission. And if you're not giving and you're like, yeah, I feel like God is calling me to give. It's just so hard. Don't hang your head. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel shame. Respond where you can. And if, if it means responding and starting small, beautiful. Small is beautiful. Walk with faithfulness. And walk in vulnerability to be able to look at somebody and say, I'm struggling with this. And have them meet you in it. Not just to say, it's okay, don't worry about it. But I will walk with you in it. I will walk with you in it. Have a conversation with somebody you're closest to. This is the one area explicitly where God has said, you can test me. Where God has said, we are allowed and invited to test God. Most of the time, Jesus, when he's tempted, says, you shall not test the Lord your God, right? Don't do stupid things and then expect God to come and like save you from them, although he does so many times. Don't test God. In this area, he says, test me. In Malachi 3.10, God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. If giving is something that you struggle with, you're in good company, honestly. I know, I know what it's like for giving to hurt. And you don't have to hang your head, but you are allowed and invited to test God. Say, okay, God, if I'm going to be faithful in this, I worry that I won't have enough in these other places. And God says, test me. Test me. I will come through for you. And I'm not going to say that he's going to, like, bless you and blow up your bank account as a result of it. Often it's in quieter, more profound ways where he meets you and he takes care of, of needs. And you're like, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. It's incredible when you put yourself in a place like that. And you get to see God show up. If you love this church, grow in giving. If you want this church to grow, grow in giving. If you see problems in this church that need to be fixed, grow in giving and become part of a place where we can say, we're building into what God is doing here. We are not who we will be in 10 years. We're going to grow. God is going to move. And now is the time to invest. 
not because we're buying something shiny on a shelf that's all perfect and wonderful and hand-picked just for it, but because there's something that's ready to grow from investment. We have one God. Jesus Christ is Lord. We will not bow to money, but we will use what we have been given to invest in the kingdom. My heart continues to grow for this place. God is moving here. Let's invest. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the free invitation that you give. That you see us in our brokenness. That you see us in our unworthiness. And you love us. You love us without us doing anything to earn it. You care so deeply for us. You have such great affection for us. I pray right now that if there are people who have not heard your invitation, Jesus, that they would hear you calling them. They would hear you calling them to belong with you, to become a son or daughter, to be able to give up the life that they have of brokenness and sin. They'd be able to be healed by you. That your cross... Your cross made a way that we could be invited to you. And I pray for us as a church that we would grow. I pray that we would become the church that you're calling us to be. That we would grow in all ways in following you. That out of our identity would come authority and power and obedience and trust that we would trust you enough to obey, that we'd trust you enough to give. Father, I thank you for your investment in us. You see what we don't see. You see us as what we will yet become, and you pour into us. Help us to be that kind of church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.